Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy, Columbus, parentheses, crew show. Today is the uh, 14th of May, 2021. Um, this is the Dispatches podcast about all things SC, as it were, or as it is. Um, I'm Mike A-Race. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we talked to you last about a week ago since there's been two games and uh, a minor uh, nuclear meltdown um, or actually a major explosion is probably better. There's a mushroom cloud still hanging over Columbus. We're going to get to that rebranding saga on the back half of the show. Um, first, uh, we're, we've got Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, um, who's uh, who's back from from South Florida or Central Florida, I should say. And uh, Kyle Robertson, um, the striker, uh, the award winning photographer and, of course, uh, soccer bon vivant and man about town. Um, Patrick Flaherty, per usual, is at the dials. Um, hopefully uh, he'll maintain his perfect record of. I don't know whatever it is he has a perfect record and it doesn't nothing springs to mind at this point. First let's get let's get to the results uh gentlemen the on Saturday um as the bomb was falling from the sky uh the 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 then crew played DC United uh in the old Crew Stadium uh, which is now I presume historic uh, historic, historic SC stadium um uh, I'm I'm all kinds of confused now. Uh, in any case, uh, DC United was in town. It was uh, a Jacob an emphatic uh, victory. It, they looked pretty good on Saturday. Yeah, I, I thought they looked solid. It, the buildup looked much better, and, and it related a lot to this midweek game against Toronto. The leading score of the game and the leading score for the Crews MLS season, at least, is still own goal because DCU uh, had two own goals, but you know, you get your special magic, what, whatever you want to say from, from Lucas Elorayan, you know, just seeing him line up over that ball. I got the feeling it was going in. He had plenty of space to get it up over the the wall and down below the bar. And the crew did look pretty good. I, I they still need more execution in that final third, but yeah, solid win. Three to one over over DC in historic SC Stadium. Um, Kyle, uh, what did you think of the DC effort? Uh, um, what, what did you think of the DC effort? <laughs> what, did, what, what were they trying to do there? What did they execute? I, well, I I thought it wasn't wasn't didn't DC only have like three subs too? Wasn't that kind of bizarre? They only they, brought. They've been very hurt, and <laughs> they. I mean, Ola Kamara, right, comes off the bench, gets his yeah. goal. But, yeah, they were very injury depleted. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I you know, uh, with the lineup kind of changing the way it was, it was nice to kind of see uh, Bradley Wright Phillips kind of get the start. And I thought he did pretty well linking up with Zeller on. Um, and, and, but, I mean, you, the goal, you know, the the free kick goal, you know, was a you know masterpiece. And then just two weird kind of uh, own goals that you don't normally kind of see. Um but what uh, I thought Waylon Francis did pretty good starting, uh, you know, I think he's had a rough start kind of playing, but I thought he played one of his better matches, uh, you know, this season, um, you know, out there on the wing. So, um, but yeah, just, just good um, overall getting a lot of different players in, um, you know, and, and I still think the crew's kind of shuffling the lineups with all the kind of uh, hurt people that they, um, that they're juggling at the moment. So word 
at, at the historic SC Stadium is already leaking of a rebranding. Um, the fans are agitated. That's uh, coming um, in, uh, within uh, 48 hours of that game. They, they pushed it up. Um, but uh, in any case, there, there, there came the rebranding. And, and uh, then on to, uh, on to Orlando to play Toronto FC on Wednesday. Um, at that point, um, at kickoff, the, the crew was still yet unbeaten in, uh, in, in um, MLS play, um, two losses uh, in CCL and two victories in CCL. But anyway, so uh, after the DC game, word is already bubbling of the rebranding um, that uh, – bomb would strike the ground on Monday, uh, originally scheduled for Tuesday. Uh, they pushed it up in an attempt to contain the fallout. Um, again, we'll get to that on the back half of the show. But uh, crew 1-0-2 as they head to Orlando to play Toronto FC on Wednesday evening. And uh, that they finally ran into their first L of the season in MLS play, Jacob. And yeah, it, they- it, it was... Uh, it wasn't a good look either. Mm-mm. They they just it looked very similar, I thought, to last year's Toronto game where it I, I don't know what there's no gap between these teams. But for whatever reason, they just can't get over the hump recently against Toronto. And yeah, look, I thought the buildup was pretty solid again. But you let up that early goal, uh, couldn't clear a ball out of the box. And Michael Bradley slammed it in the back of the net. Jossie Zardes had a look of few minutes after that a really solid touch to bring it down and for whatever reason seemed to pause a little bit to gather himself before he took the shot and that allowed the keeper to come out and stop that Uh, I thought they were pretty solid the rest of the first and early in the second half but the foot definitely came off the gas a little bit as Toronto surrounded Zellerayon and really disrupted him so all the offense seems to as it should it should go through Lucas but the other guys around him aren't doing enough right now. Luis Diaz is getting behind people. Uh, he'll either lose the ball out of bounds or can't connect with a guy in the box. So you give up that early goal, you put yourself in a hole already. And then the offense is just kind of a little stagnant in terms of getting that ball into the right spot to get a shot away. As the familiar refrain a couple years ago, they're in good spots. Uh, but they, they need to get that final pass right. You know, uh, Toronto won this game on set pieces, Kyle. Yeah. And, um, you know, it struck me as I was watching the game, and uh, you would be uh, better suited to, to to speak to this than I, uh, but Lucas Zellerion had a lot of air uh, under the ball throughout that game. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a couple of prime uh, free kicks um, yeah. that, that sailed on him. Um, well, not to pick on him, but yeah. I, I that was something that stood out as curious yeah. to me. You don't see him mishit like that if indeed he was mishitting. Um, uh, your, your thoughts on, oh, on no, Toronto? Yeah, you, that's what I was going to actually talk about. You know, it seemed like the you know the runs that they were making seemed a little off. I mean, you had Mensa uh, going to the near post. I don't know a couple, um, you know, a couple of those free kicks, and in and him, and when Williams is in. Those are the guys that you want to look to if you're not going to take a shot on goal. So I thought that was kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if they were, they changed it up for that game and, and Porter wanted him to kind of go to the near post, but yeah, he was not connecting at all um, during that game. That's one thing that I did notice is I think Mensa was kind of getting frustrated too 
um, because that's who you want to look for, you know, on those crosses. And Mensa does a really good job of either going, you know, getting that back post ball and heading it right in the middle. I mean, the crew have scored multiple goals over the years with that type of play. So then also, but also on the other end too, conceding the first, the first goal off a corner kick. So, I mean, it was an unlucky bounce um, that Bradley's um, shot got blocked, but. You know. And the second goal was two yeah. heads equal one yeah. goal, you know, uh, as, as it goes. Uh, Jacob, it, there's another thought that may have occurred, and that is that uh, everything that happened um, in the lead up to that game off the field, um, you know, you like to say they're pros and they can shut it out. But uh, that was an emotional few days for the franchise that preceded that game Wednesday. Do you think it had any impact? And did any players mention anything like that? No, they said exactly what you'd expect them to say is they're more focused on the game. They leave those things up to the decision makers. Maybe it had an impact, but let's also remember they had a huge COVID outbreak that affected a third of the team during the playoffs last year and won MLS Cup. So I I think if you look at things that would affect a team more, it's probably something like that. Um, But, you know, it could have been a factor. I don't think it. Uh, was an outsized factor in any means, though. Just just curious. Now, Jacob, to the injury report and what sort of rotation we might be looking at uh, Sunday at New England, uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes, which is what uh, Patrick uh, Flaherty likes to watch the game uh, on. <laughs> Perry Kitchen and Aiden Morris are being out really affects their depth in the midfield. I believe Liam Frazier, who they got on loan from Toronto FC, will be available for this next game. That's not confirmed, but the way Caleb Porter was talking before Toronto, it sounded like Liam Frazier would have been good to go in this game had he not uh, been ineligible to play based on MLS rules. You can't play against the team that uh, you're on loan from. So that should help him out there. Milton Valenzuela, is is hurt and Waylon Francis has looked better and has filled in there as well. Uh, there are a ton of guys banged up. Uh, Josh Williams, Pedro Santos were out. I think that was more maintenance. Uh, Jossie Zardes has just said, you know, he's going to play through his shoulder soreness after dislocating it in the first leg against Monterey. Artur has had a bit of a growing issue. Uh, growing issue. He has been out uh, at least this past game. He was out, but again, more of a maintenance thing. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I. Well, Aiden Morris say. had surgery, yeah. I, and I only think of him. I think he and Kevin Josh Williams out should, as well. What's that? Kevin Molino is out as well. Still, yeah, and and what what is uh, obviously Morris is done for the season. Yeah. He and Josh Williams actually showed up at a watch party here in Columbus, uh, like in the middle of the game uh, Wednesday night. Um, but what about what is Molino's? Uh, do we have any prognosis? It's just what it's been six to eight weeks, which would be about late May, early June time frame. And if if he doesn't come back for that May 29th game, uh, the first game he'll be in a crew uniform would be June 19 or yes, June 19th, which is the final game at Crew Stadium. OK, and, and Crew Stadium. Is, is it still called that? <laughs> they, they are still calling it historic Crew Stadium. Yes. OK. And and, uh, and uh, peeking ahead, do you have any uh, indications of, of, of uh, any any wrinkles in the lineup uh, on set on Sunday when the uh, crew plays the Revolution? 
Well, I'd expect Harrison Awful to get back in there um, at at right back. Abdul Salam played in there and probably had the play of the game with a sliding oh, tackle yeah. that cut out oh. a second goal. Um, I I didn't see if that made it on a Sports Center top ten at all, but I would assume maybe it did if they pay attention to, in the slightest bit to MLS. But Harrison Awful should should be back. I would assume if Pedro Santos is good to go, he'll be in there. Uh, Artur could be back as well. He just needed an off day. So you'll, you'll get some players back, just normal rotation. I would expect this was this is the final game of a six games and 19 day stretch. So I think they're very much looking forward to a full week of uh, of some rest and also getting back to the, the training field. I, I think being back on the pitch will, will help quite a bit in terms of getting the offense maybe uh back to just finding that last thing they need. Kyle, that's a lot to ask for, from, from, for depth from the roster is uh, playing every three days for three weeks in a row. Um, how is their depth held up, do you think? And, and how much better could they be on the other side of this actual week off no, normal rhythm? Well, I mean, you have like one of your last signees, right? The homegrown, um, uh, you know, Isaiah he, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was starting and and actually even playing pretty pretty well too. So I mean, that just goes to show you the depth that they've used. But I mean, I mean, I I don't think it's your ideal start. I mean, you want to have all the guys and you want to have, but at the same time, you know, it's good to have a variety of people playing. I think the Morris injury is probably the most significant one. Um, you know, because he had big plans for him after his breakout kind of. Uh, um, you know, championship game performance, but, you know, it's, uh, I think they, they invested in the roster. And, um, so I'm, I'm glad that, that some of that depth is, is being used early on in the season. And hopefully, uh, as the season goes on, some of those guys that you kind of really hope that were kind of stepping up and kind of being, you know, big time assets or subs or super subs or however you want to, you know, classify them are going to be a more prominent role in actually being on the pitch. And Alex Matan got her his first start, yeah. so you would like to think maybe he's 90 minutes ready. Vita Warmhorse played all 90 minutes, yep. so once played they well get too. a lot of... Yeah, I thought he did. So once they get all these guys back, they should be even deeper than before. That's probably what you're hoping for if you're yep. the crew. Well, at this point, it's, it's uh, MLS, uh, obvious focus, uh, they're eliminated from the CCL um, recently, uh, and so things can kind of clear them that clarify themselves within within the league they're they're one one and two as we mentioned earlier in ninth place uh in the eastern conference they're a point um below the bar uh national six points orlando six points dc with six red bulls with six uh new york city fc with uh seven the revolution with eight points and montreal with eight points at the top of the eastern conference standings um interestingly and i don't think we mentioned this but that was toronto's first win of the season um or we did mention it and we had to cut that part because um i, I screwed up i didn't know their record so um uh, that that was edited to, to to correction thanks to jacob um and uh, whilst well you mentioned investing in the roster um uh, kyle jacob uh, the a salary report mm, by the yeah. players association was issued um uh Anything catch your eye there? Yeah, I was just digging through it today. That actually came up uh, as I was going through the line of probably about a thousand people in TSA and in Orlando. Um, 
but, but yeah, I, what, what stuck out to me is a few things. Nagby got a crazy pay bump, uh, at least right. And I'm trying to confirm these things with the, with the club, just to make sure there aren't any big discrepancies. Because if you remember a couple years ago, Zardes's salary was like 800,000 more than it ended up being. So as of this recording, it said Nagby's earning his base salary is the highest on the team. He's second overall in salary on the team behind Zellerion. Uh Nagby's at 1.7 million, which would uh, put him above the TAM threshold, yeah. uh, I, I believe, just yeah. looking at the MLS roster rules. Uh, but Zellerion comes in just yeah. under 2 million and 24th. Uh, yeah. in terms of all highest paid players in the league, which is a fairly good deal when you yeah. consider the uh, quality of player he is. Certainly, that's not factoring in an $8 million transfer fee. But uh, other notes, Nagby and Mensa was another player who got a pay bump. Both those guys signed contract extensions last year. Four players above uh, the, the million-dollar mark. And the crew's uh, eighth, uh, yes, eighth in... Uh, total spend and interestingly enough I just thought this was funny that some people pointed out that Austin was uh, 26 of 27 teams in total spend <laughs> so yeah, there yeah. Has, yeah. go ahead Kyle no, no, I, just say, I, I just think it's uh, you know the crew's come a long way I mean what for the longest time they had one DP making over a million dollars and now to have four uh, you know, they're not all DPs, but to have four guys uh, making over a million dollars is a pretty significant, um, you know, uh, pretty significant. Uh, how do you want to say it? Um, development. Uh, development or not development, but uh, you ambition. Know, yeah, the, the, the owners are, are putting money, you know, through the club and, and keeping people. I mean, and just the you have a lot of guys that are over, you know, half a million dollars. So, I mean, and, and you know, I mean, still the crew's come a long way and, and, and I think that's a lot to do with the new ownership and what they want to do. So, um, yeah, it wasn't too long ago. And, uh, you know, they're playing Toronto in the conference final. And, uh, I think Michael Bradley's salary alone equaled the entire payroll of the crew. So, um, that, that, uh, it's a big jump. The, uh, owners, uh, have invested in it. The new owners, um, specifically the majority owners, the Haslam family, they like to thumbnail it around a half billion when you throw in a $315 million stadium, give or take. And uh, given that investment, the size of that investment, they have believe they have a right to play around. Yeah. Um, and so they did uh, with the rebranding uh, that uh, was announced on Monday. It pushed up because word had leaked over the weekend and uh, the fans were in an uproar. Jacob, you want to just give us an overview before we start uh, tearing into this thing? Oh, boy, where to start? So, yeah, you kind of summed it up with the timeline there. Name change, everyone knows. A logo that's a far departure from what many considered one of the best, if not the best, crest in Major League Soccer. And then, I mean, the backlash was immediate. It started Friday night after... The front office had a meeting with uh, Nordek where one guy ripped his shirt off and pointed to a tattoo on his chest of the uh, crest. And uh, many accounts told me that one person uh, called Bezbachenko a traitor. So that was the type of I, I, I thought that summed up well just how contentious this meeting was. And once the broader soccer community saw it, 
it just expanded with the, with the same exact reaction. So that happened throughout the weekend. And Wednesday, I reported on this, and there were some details in an ESPN story beforehand, but I reported on this report compiled by two NORDAC members who had seen the rebrand back in January, and they sent this to the front office, warning of a catastrophic response to uh, the changing of the name and dropping crew from the name, denoting it just as a nickname. Uh, they also warned about fans criticizing a lack of transparency in the design process, all of which turned out to be true. And that came out, uh, for, and the Haslam's finally came out after that with, with a statement saying, we have consistently appreciated, respected, embraced our supporters. We value their passion and loyalty to the crew. And clearly this process was not aligned with how we intend to operate. The feedback from representatives of the Nordec was not elevated and discussed at the appropriate level or incorporated enough into our process. And so they pledged to essentially hear them out now. And from uh, my sources told me on Wednesday, uh, pretty much in the middle of the game that the front office had reached out to Nordec and they're beginning, I guess, this process of just see where to go with the relationship. It doesn't sound like now in terms of what I understand that this is a commitment to changing their rebrand rollout. Um, but certainly it, it seems like a step toward possibly doing that because the fans are definitely going to demand some change to this rebrand. Gee, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it sounds to me it's like we screwed up. Screwed up. Sorry. Live with the new logo. Yeah. Um, Kyle, one of the problems here is um, it's a bad logo, in my opinion. Put it this way. Uh, I think one way to process it, it, it is um, remember when the Chicago Fire trotted out their new logo? Yep. And uh, what 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 you when you saw it, what you said and uh, the reaction throughout the league? Well, that's everyone looking at Columbus now in the crush sea and the uh, in the the vertical pennant. Um, I think it's even uh, worse, Mike. Yeah. Montreal and Chicago. I think the reaction to this is yeah. way worse. And two, yeah. it, those are two teams that didn't have, or especially recently, didn't have a winning culture. Yeah. And you're coming off at MLS Cup, going into a new stadium. So that was the reaction that I, yeah. more so than just the fans saying, "Well, they." are taking the name away, which so we, we've covered well, this extensively. Yeah. From the, 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 P, the PR rollout was a yeah. fiasco, but and, and, and we, we can talk about that probably for and we'll talk yeah. about it some more on this show. But Kyle, I wanted you being the artist among us, as well as the craftsman. Um, and I talked to some graphic yeah. designers, yeah. too. You know, my focus group was my kids. And and yeah. uh, I said, I said, hey, what do you think of this? And they're like, they're like yeah. I'm not wearing a hat with that on it. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I, I think I, that's generally the, the what did you think of it, Kyle? I, when I first, yeah, when I first saw it, I, I texted Jacob and I said, kind of looks like a, a new White Claw logo or something, you know, <laughs> cartoon, cartoon <laughs> network. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it kind of looks like the Cavs. I mean, truthfully, I mean, when you first look at it, I mean, I, I thought it looked like a Cavs logo, you know, the way they've kind of changed their things a little bit. But, you know, I just, you know, our, I think they just could have done a lot better. It looks very European-ish, but, you know, it. They had, such a, they had such a great crest. I know. Well, 
if if you had to, Jacob, if you had to think about and uh, rank different aspects of the reaction from like what people were hottest about about it, was it the just a terrible PR job they did ramming this out there before their stadium opens, um, sort of from out of the blue, without much feedback, um, and then foisting upon the <laughs> removing the name crew, uh, for one thing. Uh, that was early on. That was my sense was that the people that saved the crew are like, well, what did we say if you, you remove yeah. the name Crew from, from the uh, the official name of the team? Um, and then they came back with, oh, Crew's still going to be everywhere. I think they backtracked hard on that. And there's also, there was the whole thing about there's no there's no yellow uniforms this year, kits, as as the kids say. And and um, they saw this as another assault on the original colors. And there's the other, uh, there's so many wrinkles to this. You have a primary color. Why are you trying to get rid of it? You had a beautiful logo. Why are you trying this one? When they talked about how uh, this would take their brand global, and that right. was their focus. They already were uh, global. Save the crew global. What, what I was thinking was the name crew is global and yeah. so is that crest when when and so is the black and gold the black and the banana yellow kits there's people all over the world that because of save the crew and and for other reasons uh an mls cup would would, would do it too but really because of save the crew are very aware of the crew in columbus and to me removing taking the taking the primary color out of the logo except for a, a shadow around it and also removing the name crew from the official name is basically denigrating your global brand rather than elevating it in, in, in my considered opinion. I think there are a lot of parts of this, as you said, and I, I thought this anecdote that I, um, well, that I experienced in the Orlando airport coming back actually uh, kind of describes my, my thought on that whole trying to take the brand global there was someone talking how uh, their boyfriend is a big soccer fan. And these people are from Columbus, a huge soccer fan. And someone asked this person, "Do you, does he go to crew games? And the answer was uh, one or two. He'll, he'll go sometimes. So that's just to me that is so indicative of you don't have this market and certainly not the state locked down yet to even really consider going global. I don't think anyone disagrees with the approach to broaden your fan base or to become globally recognized. Uh, why MLS, why, why people are going to tune into MLS is because of the atmosphere, because that is so unique in soccer compared to right. every other American sport. The talent is getting better and pe only people who watch MLS or have watched MLS for years really recognize that, but it's not up to the level of what a casual soccer fan or just your soccer fan in America would get up on a Saturday morning to watch Premier League or Bundesliga or you name the European league here. That's not why they tune into MLS and to do something that upsets your supporter base and essentially eliminates in, in a way or has a potential to eliminate that excitement and that energy, why people tune into the sport. I think that goes totally against what they're actually right. trying to accomplish here. Kyle, there was also a lot of, uh, that's, that's well said. Um, 
there's also a lot of uh, what's very important here to local fans is is the history, right. the history of the name, um, the uh, evolution of, of the logo, um, the logo they have yeah. now and, and what it means. It was like the one thing Anthony Precourt did right. Jeez, uh, I just got the got the shakes just saying that. Uh, and you know the fact that who rebrand who rebrands coming off a a, a, top, a league championship. Yeah. You know, off the top of my head, I can think of um, the Houston Rockets and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Remember that that stupid uh, triangular logo they went to uh, the Lemieux years after. Yeah. I, and, and those were epic fails is too strong a phrase, but right. um, they were bad juju for those right. for those teams. Um, it's just not something really that makes a lot of sense. Kyle, what, what are your thoughts? Well, first off, I think when you say Columbus Soccer Club, that's like a colloquial club here. I put Keegan into like doing travel soccer personally. You know, that's. To me, like that's when you say Columbus Soccer Club, I think of a, a local travel team here in Columbus. That's another thing I don't get. Yeah. The FCs and the SCs. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they want to delineate that it's a right. soccer team. Well, if, if if you don't know the crew is a soccer team, right. I mean, right. you're watching MMA or something. You know, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. This, I think this whole thing's botched on so many different levels. You know, for me, the thing that I don't understand is, is why rebrand. I've read stuff that, some people in the front office said, hey, if we lose X amount of people, we might gain this amount of people. Yeah, like, uh, let, let me state that, yeah. Kyle. So what I reported in that story about the Nordec report was a conversation in, to uh, John Zadar, who told yep. me this on the record, a, a Save the Crew leadership member, that at Seventh Sun Brewery yep. in June of 2019 with Tim Bezbachenko and a former front office member, Morgan Hughes was there as well. John Zadar told me that Tim Bezbachenko asked them what essentially they would want to see in a rebrand. And Zadar told him if the colors or the crest, uh, sorry, not the crest, if the colors or the name change, if crew was out of the name, he would cancel his season tickets. And the response from Bezbachenko was, isn't it worth it if we lose 8,000 and gain 15,000 fans? And that, that's what John told yeah. me, and, and I want to leave it up to the reader and other people to determine if that's the case. So what right. I did, I went to other STC members, two of which recited verbatim that quote. Two of the others I talked to said the same quote in spirit, just with different numbers. Another recalled John being miffed at the time. Um, the club hasn't said anything if they discredited or not or, or denied it and uh he Look, morgan I'll, hughes did I'll, not recall it yeah. so i'll just cut mike, in here and you, say mike uh, you knew this as well well it, you know it was a year after that yeah. uh january 2020 uh when i wrote a column saying they were thinking of this is more than a year ago uh saying that they were thinking of changing their colors and, and their name um and uh the blowback uh on that was significant uh from the team although uh, they never said I was exactly wrong. Um, right. They just pushed back hard because they wanted to keep a. Obviously, they wanted right. to keep a lid on it because that's exactly what they were feeling out how they were going to do this rebranding. Uh, even at that time, again, it goes back two years. But I, in that column of January 29th, 2020, I had a line that was almost verbatim uh, to what Sadar told you. Um, I would I would guess that I had heard the same thing 
And the way uh, I presented it, the context was it was near the bottom of the column. If, right. if this is your reasoning, you're 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 way off base. Right. Um, uh, and I probably used stronger language than that. And again, that was in January of 2020. Right. Kyle, go ahead. We both. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just going to say to me, like, if you want to, quote unquote, rebrand or get more fans or be whatever, you know, I think there are they were already doing the things that they needed to get the the casual fan. I've talked about this a lot. You have a brand new stadium, the state of the art stadium. More people are going to come out and see the stadium. Okay. You have a winning team that just won a championship and they're winning. I think Columbus is very spoiled to have the Buckeyes. And so a lot of fans don't jump on the bandwagon until their team's winning. Look at what the Blue Jackets did when they made the playoffs for four or five years in a row. Fans will show up when you're winning and you have a good team. You know, third of all, you have a superstar in Zellerion, someone that the average fan would like to come out and see because he can dazzle, he can, you know. He score. pulls you out of your chair. Yeah, he pulls you out of your chair. And 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 uh, I don't want to upset any other crew, crew uh, royalty or legends, but, you know, they've never had someone on that level to, to consistently make plays and to bring some to bring some of the casual fans in. And then the, 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 fourth, the fourth thing is it's in a downtown area. I mean, when I took my wife to a game, we, she only went once because she refused to go because there's nothing to do before the game and there's nothing to do after the game except for if you're in a tailgate. So being in that new stadium, you can go out to dinner. You can go get drinks afterwards. You can go do whatever you want downtown. So you have these four things that are going to bring – the casual fan who maybe haven't gone to a game in five or 10 years, that's going to bring those fans in. So to me, they don't understand where they are in Columbus and their fan base to me. And, and to, for them to think that, oh, yeah, let's rebrand it. That will be the solution. You know, and I, and I think that's what the you know, I don't know if somebody sold them this great idea or if somebody from MLS said, hey, you need to do this because you're getting a new stadium. That's what I'm most like I just don't feel like they they understand what they what they have and what they're dealing with. To me, they're they're, they're the guy who has pocket aces, and you know they're playing Texas Hold'em, and the flop a third ace falls up, and they think they've won no matter what. And so on the river card, a, a flush comes in, you know, and so the guy who's been just been playing along, you know, wipes them out because they think they have three aces in their hand, and they think they're going to win no matter what. I, I suppose that works. You were really good till you got to Texas Hold'em. I was all fired up. Uh, uh, I followed it. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, Jacob, Jacob, I'm going to ask you how the team presented it and and how they how they handled the fallout um, from from the announcement. Leading up to that, uh, I would just uh, give you my view of uh, why this was essentially rammed down people's throats. And uh, the only way that happens is if it's coming down from on, on high. And uh, by on high, uh, I mean Cleveland. And uh, while uh, we started this conversation with the uh, this part of the conversation about the rebranding with the fact that uh, the Haslam's have uh, probably invested a half billion dollars, um, you know, since since they bought the team, um, and that that became official in January of 2019. They immediately started rebranding. My thinking is that as this went along, um, it was deep. This process was was uh, generated, and the momentum for it was uh, from within the family. There's been long speculation that Jimmy Haslam doesn't like black and gold because he owns the Browns and he doesn't much care for the Steelers. There's uh, also uh, long been speculation that uh, they were going to rebrand heading into the opening of the stadium 
either um, in a minor way or, as it turns out, in a major way. But uh, uh, I, I'm going to throw it to you, asking you how the team and ownership presented this uh, and how they responded to the fallout by saying that uh, uh, my working theory is that uh, this was a Cleveland operation that uh, the people in Columbus had had to trot out uh, because those were their marching orders. They, they have not answered that. And just real quick, I, I haven't I don't know if it's true or not about the black and gold and Jimmy Haslam. I've I've heard similar things, so I'm not discrediting you. I just don't know if that's true. Their kind of, I'll just call it spin or their justification for this was things we've said. The global brand, they want people to know it's Columbus, Pitt, City versus City. And they thought it was good enough that that crew would still be around and people could use that name. They have it in a few of the six different logos um, that they put out. And I'm still trying to work on stories about process. I, I think there's uh, a lot of desire for just understanding that part and how they arrived here. The Nordex says that t up to 20%, no more than 20% of Nordex members uh, could be on this list that they were going to give to the front office for focus groups and other kind of phases they took in the 12 plus months to end on this rebrand. There were two Save the Crew leadership members uh, as well in that process. One was very involved in uh, a smaller focus group for the rebrand process. But when it came to the final product, as far as I understand, nobody outside of the two Nordic members who wrote this report in response after they saw the rebrand criticizing it, no one else had seen it. So that is a huge point of contention is just not feeling like the Nordic not feeling like they were able to give any type of feedback. They were presented it on Friday and essentially said, this is what it is. Um, this is what it's going to be. And like you said, Mike, they pushed it up to Monday in a way they had to because it was all already out there. But I, I don't understand how you just go ahead and, and push ahead with it once you see all of this feedback. I get there was a ton of money invested in this. I, I don't know how much money was invested in it, but certainly if they change it, that's going to be even even more money spent as well. But their justification was they wanted to pit city versus city. They wanted to highlight Columbus and they thought, you know, keeping crew around, like they might put home of the crew on the stadium. I think that would be a good touch. Uh, but it will it be good enough for the fans? I don't know. And you know, one thing I, I read that really stuck out to me of a million things in this report from the Nordec members was when it came to the history and context of uh, the club and the changing the name, it specifically says, and I'm quoting here from the report, for years it has been discussed as a toxic concept being Columbus SC has been discussed as a toxic concept that would strip the founding club of MLS of its heritage, as well as a matter of disrespect to the fans. And in the meeting I had uh, with front office, one front office member told me that fans and the people in those focus groups that consisted of supporters of community leaders, they appreciated how it nodded to history and kept the heritage of the team. So that wasn't true. They, they knew this and still went ahead with it. And that's why it turned out so poorly. Well, crew's utterly unique, too. We're getting back to the thinking behind it. You know, theres <laughs> is there another soccer team in the world with that name? No, and, and that's another yeah. thing, just being I mean, they might as well call unique. them 
and the, well, the, the uniqueness, but uh, this bending over to be European has always bothered me. Uh, I've whined about it on this show for years. And, and uh, you know, everything from the Argot of, of European soccer on down to this SCFC United stuff, it's it's okay to be uh, an American club with, a, with a official nickname. Um, your midfielder is not going to pick up the ball and throw it. It, you know, he'll right. still kick it. Um, it, it. It's okay to play soccer uh, in the United States. And, you know, that crew thing, it, it is deep for these fans, um, given the history of the team, the first charter team, and, the, and what they went through to hang on to it. You know, it wasn't save SC. You know, it's like, and here we go. And it's now historic SC Stadium. No, they're keeping it. That was, Jacob, that was one of the things I found so hilarious about, uh, and absolutely hilarious about how, they said, no, no, the crew's not going anywhere. There's going to be crew everywhere. Um, we're just uh, we're just removing it from the official name of the team. You know, <laughs> that's like. Well, I and to that point, Mike, it, in the presentation I was shown, which I believe was the same to the Nordic, is they said three names were interchangeable. Columbus SC, Columbus Soccer Club, and the crew. Looking at their Twitter page alone, in their their URL is Columbus Crew. Their Twitter page is name the crew, handle Columbus crew. And then the next three words are Columbus Soccer Club. Columbus crew was not one of the names that they said is interchangeable with their name. Uh, so I have no idea if that was planned or that was a change, but uh, in response to kind of the fan backlash. But that's another whole point to this is people are just one confused why it had to happen. And the amount of different names they can use and logos adds to that confusion of just what is the identity of this club anymore. Plus, I keep getting back to Kyle. I, I hate the logo. Yeah. You know, I, I got to a point by the end of all of this, um, you know, by Tuesday morning, I was like, you know, it's it's uh, they put the money up. Uh, they have rights. Yeah. When I heard the explanation of the design, it wasn't nearly as good as what, what I heard in 2014 when they when they redesigned. Right. But okay, I can I can see where you're going here. I understand it does design elements a little better. You know, I can live with it. What what I can't get over though is the logo itself. I think throwing another C on there, just like five or six other teams in, in the state um, doesn't delineate the crew at all. I don't think it's a good looking logo. And um, I think wh what's that dot on the bottom? I think that's, I mean, I, everyone that saw that logo, I even polled about a dozen former players and uh, it, nah. a lot of people that were associated <laughs> with the crew, including uh, a number of players uh, in the past. And uh, their reaction was universal. It's like, why did they just change the best crust in the league for this? And so that's what, to me, that's the bottom line, Kyle. I don't know how Keegan felt, but uh, everyone I know looked at that logo and went like, man, that's a, that's a downgrade. That's, that's like not good. Um, hey, but they're, they're not looking out for those fans. They're looking out for those 15,000 new fans, right? Well, what I heard, Mike, from, from fans is Dr. Pete said this and why – some of the confusion around this name is he said the C stands for crew. Uh, you can't know that just looking at the logo itself. If you have to explain it, you probably didn't do it well enough because you have to explain it. It should be self-evident. And one thing I heard over and over and over again, I'm sure you heard this, Mike, is 
they want to hear, they, the fans, want to hear from the Haslam's. They don't want to hear from Dr. Pete or Tim Bezpachenko or Steve Lyons. And that's all good that they're talking, but they want to hear from the Haslam's on this, why the changes were made uh, and uh, kind of the whole process behind it. So I, I think that's really leading a lot of animosity against this rebrand. Yeah. Yeah. Plus it's a bad logo. Did I say that? Have I said that? Patrick Flaherty, put your put your microphone on. What do you think, Patrick? When you first saw it, when did you see it? Did you see it over the weekend when it was started to bounce over around the internet on Sunday, uh, or when they officially charted it out? What, what were your thoughts? I thought that they shouldn't tinker with it. Kind of what Kyle said, like they have all this momentum. They're going into a new stadium. They just won a championship, and there's no need to do rebranding at this point. They had time to do this prior to the season if they wanted to. You know, Tom Reed had a great point, former dispatch staffer, um, and he wrote about this at DK Sports in Pittsburgh. The, te- um, the teenager in Copenhagen, that line? Yeah, yeah. No, well, he, you know, one thing he said um, in my conversation with him over the weekend, and, and I know he wrote about it, was that, uh, yeah, there was, there was the Copenhagen thing. You can go check it out. But he said, like, they actually have hard hats in the arena district, building a stadium. Like, there's a lot of people who are happy to see the hard hats go in 2014, 2015, uh, especially as that logo was replaced by a, a really fine logo that had a lot of input from fans and has a lot of great design elements that are lacking in the in, the, in, the, in this latest iteration, whatever it is. And it's already all over the place. If you go to the league standings at MLS.com, you know, I was looking for the crew logo, you know, that's how you find it quickly. And it was like, oh, it's that one. It's the new one. I was like, oh, God. But anyway, Tom said, why not if this year with hard hats actually in the arena district building a new soccer stadium? They should have gone to the original for a year. You know? Yeah. For Yeah. I mean, like, that's like a no brainer. <laughs> that that would have been cool. You know, with the stadium logo beneath it, they they had a new stadium logo design. That slashy thing there, that's uh, kind of neat. But uh, the hard there's just so much not to like about this. Is there anything else you guys want to say about not liking it or liking it before we sign off here? I think we kind of covered it all. I guess I, I want to put to you, Mike, because you can be a little more opinionated than than I can. How do you feel like any of this will be resolved? Because I, I honestly think they have to change this rebrand in some way to mend that yeah. relationship with supporters. I don't know, and I'm trying to get a sense of what will be acceptable uh, from supporters. And may, maybe it is just all or nothing, dig heels in till they get crew back on the name. But to, I, to your point, I think the logo is more universally hated. Yeah. Well, is, is the old saw, any PR is good PR accurate, yeah. or is... Uh, Everyone should do a search on Bill Hicks on marketing for, for my true feelings. But, you know, they can stick to their guns, win games, and eventually people will swallow it. Uh, when you get down to it, the, the hardy people that saved this team, that saved the crew, um, have fought much bigger battles over the years. Um, they've been fighting other supporter groups right on up to Sam's army, uh, you know, as qualifiers rolled in um, on how they're going to conduct business uh, in historic SC stadium. I mean, for all kinds, I mean, they, they fought much bigger battles, including uh, uh, the save the crew movement itself. The difficulty here is that all the things they stood for 
um, after this rebranding, um, they're kind of a laughing stock among other other fans in the league. They're they're getting a lot of grief um, because almost everything they've they've always stood for and defended themselves upon uh, when it came to um, the tete-a-tetes with other fan bases um, has went up in smoke on Monday. Um, so they're they're taking a lot of grief. But I will get back to they fought bigger fights despite the PR fiasco. I think that uh, you know. They can, ex- they might be able to stomach what the logo stands for, as it was explained, and um, as a group that has has been through a lot, um, that uh, I think uh, their life will go on, especially if the team keeps winning. Um, and and that's that was kind of the walk away to my column when I wrote about it. This was all ridiculous, but um, it's not the worst thing in the world that could have right. happened. I'm kind of curious to see how this affects the uh, the stadium opening and, and what the attendance might be. Well, that's what I'm saying is I, it depends on when any yeah. of this is either resolved when, since the front office extended an olive branch to Nordeck to talk about this front office and ownership. That yeah. is um, if it's resolved by then, if there are concrete steps for sure, I, I think if it, if there's nothing done by then, you could definitely see something meaningful when the stadium opens. I mean, there are plenty of people, uh, not of those almost 1,500 that have signed that position that aren't going to buy merchandise. So there's already a bit of a financial impact. But if you're gonna if you're gonna open the stadium, you want to have you know all your best fans there. You want to have an atmosphere that's unlike anything else. You want to have those people who are coming for the first time in a long time be like. Dude, this is sweet. Like, I love it. Let's keep on going. Let's buy the merch, buy whatever. But if, but if, if, if only half the people, you know, half the Nordeka shows up, you know, how's that going to change how, you know, the first couple of games or the heck the rest of the season is in the new stadium? Jacob, you really think there's enough pressure to make them dial back after they pushed up their announcement, knowing how much blowback there's going to be? I mean, do you really think that the team will be pressured into adjusting uh, what they've done to this point? I, I don't know. I guess it wouldn't surprise me, given what we've seen from these fans in the past. But then again, I don't know that the team will uh, is going to bend on this. I had a crisis PR expert who I had dealt with other stories in the past text me when that statement came out and said his instinct said it would be pulled by Monday. I don't believe it'll be that, but I, I took that as a sign of he had, you know, his expertise thought that this statement was proof that they would track back on something. And as far as the pressure, I don't know what else you could do other than uh, full on boycott and go to a Columbus Eagles game, uh, which I heard some supporters thinking about. So I think there is plenty of pressure and to mend the relationship a little bit, which if we are going to believe the words of the Haslam's and and Dr. Pete and the front office that uh, they care a lot about the relationship with supporters, uh, they they have to do something to mend the relationship. Right. They don't have to, of course, but if they don't, I, this will persist for a long time. And in the net, I think it will lose you fans. I guess it would be if they were smart, they would revert. They'd back off and uh, and say, you know what, you guys won. We are not humble enough in this in this trot out in this in this uh, this this whole thing, and uh, we're sorry. And here's your old logo back. 
I think that would be the smart thing to do. I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, I, I like personally, I don't think it will, you know, uh, but it would be the right thing to do. It would surprise me if they did it. Let's put it that way. Fair enough, Kyle. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I mean, they did change the Browns, right? They, they reverted back to the, the old uniforms after they changed them, right? They didn't. Yeah, when they changed the uniforms. That That's was a good point. I mean, they were the classic, you know, one of the classic ones, you know, with the Packers and the, the Bears, one of the old school classic uniforms that everyone loves. That wasn't uh, universally hated, yeah. uh, that that uh, that rebranding. But um, there was backlash, though. I mean, I, I, there yeah. was some backlash. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people liked those uniforms. And there's also a different calculus at work there. Um, they they sold a lot of merchandise uh, throughout throughout that that uh, period where they they stuck the Cleveland on the uh, on the uh, on their on the fronts of their jerseys and, and changed the color of orange to make it brighter uh, and so forth. Uh, and they rode that out for a couple of years, and now that they're they're doing what they call throwback stuff now. But I'm told that, uh, and this is speaking to the calculus that. The, the merchandise is not a, a major, like the sales of merchandise is not a huge impact on, on the bottom line of the local club. So yeah, it's, 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 it's tickets, right. And, and other things, but tickets more so for sure. You sure? Those hats are like 45 bucks for one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was before we leave, um, central in this, uh, pushing hard and a champion of this rebranding was Tim Bezbachenko. Um, Jacob, and I'd like you to speak to that. He has, it seemed to me throughout this, he has little doubt in his mind that this was the right thing to do. If that's your read on things, I, that's what it is. I, I don't know. I, I'm still not entirely sure who all the key players were. It's definitely, Bez is one of them. J.W. Johnson at the ownership level, I know for sure, is one of them. And Whitney um, Johnson as well. And, and Whitney, Yes. Steve Lyons, of course, chief business officer, and there are other front office members. But yeah, I, to the extent of who did what, I, I'm not entirely certain, but Bez certainly played a large role. All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, we could go on here. It's starting to get get to be a loop, you know, uh, so I, we should just cut, cut this off. Crew at New England Revolution on uh, Saturday at six or Sunday, excuse me, at six o'clock on ESPN2 and ESPN Deportes. For Patrick Flaherty, the pod father, our wonderful producer, uh, our fine beat writer, Jacob Myers, uh, check out all his stuff. We have uh, a ton of stuff at dispatch.com, and that includes uh, all the great work by the master craftsman and um, uh, artists. Uh, uh, Kyle Robertson. And so with that, we'll sign off and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. And Patrick, kick us out of here.